When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Creators Outlet. If you're watching us on Facebook or Twitter, please consider jumping over to our normal page at Creators Outlet on YouTube and subscribe. You can also find us at many other places. Uh, just check Linktree for Creators Outlet. And we welcome our special guest today to talk about his book that just launched today. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now joshua correct yes sir appreciate you having me on how you doing today you're welcome how are you i'm good okay now uh my first question is going to be uh, how do you pronounce uh, your comics brand? Uh, eudaimonia or eudaimonia. It's it's a very old, old word. Um, so I don't think there's any definitive way to pronounce it. If you get okay. the sounds out, you're close enough. Cool. And this isn't your first rodeo. You've got a couple of other series uh, that you've put out. You like a lot of uh, noir stuff. Uh, this is my first series. foray into yeah. This is my first foray into noir. Uh, my first couple books were kind of weird surrealist war tales called Eudaimonia. Um, I then did a horror book called How to Die, and now this is uh, the era of Noirlem. It's a noir detective series that takes place in 1920s Harlem. Uh, hence the wordplay noir plus Harlem equals Noirlem. So uh, why don't you give us a, uh, an origin story on yourself and how you wound up here creating comics? So a couple of years ago, I graduated from the University of Oregon. I studied English literature. Um, I studied history and philosophy. And I ended up doing some comic studies. I read comics as a kid. 
And I just kind of found it to be, um, oh, sorry. And I did creative writing also. When I got out, I just, I wanted to tell stories, but I couldn't really find the right fit, the right format. And when I plugged it into, when I plugged what I was writing into comics, I just found it to be a natural fit because I'm not a very um, wordy writer. My, my storytelling style is to just tell you what happened in what order. Um, I don't spend pages talking about rocks that are in the background. So comic books and graphic novels were just kind of a natural fit for the way that I write. And I found it to be just the most efficient way of, of you know, storytelling and cre- or expressing myself creatively. And I've been doing it ever since. Very cool. Now, this book takes place in 1920s Harlem. Did you do a lot of research on, uh, on Harlem in that time period? Uh, when I was in school, the Harlem Renaissance was my favorite art movement to just read, to just explore. So I had a lot of background going in, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, I did an extensive amount of uh, research into lingo, geography, getting the look and the feel of the book as close to you know the, the roaring 20s as I could. Um, but another challenge of it was, you know, a lot of our ideas about the roaring 20s come from like really glitzy parties and Mm-hmm. you know, what the kind of upper crust of society was doing. So it required a lot of research into what life was like for, you know, for ordinary people, ordinary working Joes in the different neighborhoods uh, along the Hudson River. Yeah, because uh, I find that, uh, hey, uh, Sin Killer, Marvi, welcome, sir. Uh, I, I, I like stories that include, uh, they can be, twisted and turned to, to fit the, to fit the narrative. But I like things that take history into account for things. So just to give you an idea of how thorough my research was, the book takes place in 1929. The reason why it takes place in 1929 is because there's, there's a scene where one character has to, they're in kind of like an awkward moment. And so in order to keep their cover, one of them has to punch the other one in the face because he's about to spill the beans and give it up. So he punches him in the face, and then you know they go back. At, they go back to base, right? And one of them has to give the one of them gives the other one a bag of frozen peas, you know, to put on his face where he hit him. Mm-hmm. Frozen peas weren't around until 1929, so that's why the story takes place in 1929. Because otherwise, there would be no frozen peas to you know to to soothe his wounds. Yeah, and there's you know there's not a lot of people with the. Uh frozen steaks around back in 1929 either so exactly i'm just uh sharing out the link since uh twitter got rid of uh the other platform that used to uh Mm. broadcast there they uh they don't like share comments out from you know the guests or the uh or the host, so just getting that out and pinning it to the profile so people on Twitter can see it. And uh, hey, pops, how are you? I really like the look of the book, and I dug the. Uh, I really dug the uh, the jazzy music for the trailer. Hmm. So I want to give everybody a 
a look into the book and we will check this out. So, for starters, uh, who made the trailer? Yo. Can you hear me? Yeah. No, I was saying, oh. yo, I made it. <laughs> oh, okay. I was I was slightly confused. I'm trying to oh, uh, no, sorry. manage a couple of different screens. So, uh, you made it yourself. Yep. And uh, the music, where'd you, where'd you get the music from? Oh, there's a whole database of... Um royalty-free, copyright-free music. Oh, cool. As long as you credit the person who made it in the description, you're fine to use it. And I learned that lesson because uh, my, my previous campaign actually got shadow banned on Indiegogo because I used copywritten music in a trailer, and so they just disappeared the campaign. So I might be an idiot, but I do learn from my mistakes. Yeah, I've uh, I've come up on that uh, a few times. I'm involved with uh, outright geekery, and uh, we get promotional material, and we share other promotional material. And every time we share anything that has to do with the big mouse, uh, we get we get a ban notice, and then like ten minutes later, uh, they've unstruck us, and everything's hunky dory, you know, once again. Marv really digs the artwork. So, upon creating this, what uh, what inspired you the most? So, my wife and I just watch a lot of murder mysteries. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean, you know, like American ones. You know, the BBC has like 10 of them at any given time on the air. We've watched them from Australia, from New Zealand. We we know the genre in and out. And being somebody who, with a background in Harlem Renaissance literature, I just couldn't help but notice that there just weren't a lot of black detectives in the genre. It's like this huge archetype. And so if you were to say to me, like, can you name a detective that's a magician i would be able to name a tv show about a magician slash detective tv show but if you're asking me to name one you know about just a main character who's black i just i can't think of all that many 
you know, there's in the heat of the night. There's Luther, but a lot of those are a little bit more action oriented. Mm -hmm. So we were watching the show, this BBC murder mystery called Death in Paradise, and it takes place in Jamaica. So you would think that like the detective would be black, but every character on the show is except for the detective. Like they went out of their way just to make, you know, to bring over, have one and one, only one character and it's the detective. But like when I saw that, I was like, I, you know, I love the Harlem Renaissance. I want to make this character exist. And that was just kind of the spawn of it is like, how many times do you hear the saying, like, if you want to see new things, make it yourself. That's what I wanted to do. I just, I wanted to have this character exist. And I came up with the name Coleman Carmichael. And I just thought it was a cool detective sounding name. And it was basically off to the races. Yeah. Marv's throwing out uh, Luther, which was a, uh, a BBC series, which I, which yep. I watched and enjoyed. Uh, you might know that actor from uh, a little show uh, about the wire the wire he was in the wire he was in uh walking dead yeah uh i know the wire pretty pretty intimately my wife's family from baltimore so when you see those really rough neighborhoods i probably spend a night or two there yeah they're they're actually there they're real uh the one that comes to mind for me is is going to be shaft so yeah but, but again, those, I think that's those, just, those are just, both more of an more, action. Yeah, they're, this they're, is more, they're more action and yeah. uh, they're, uh, you know, they're they're modern. They're not, you know, yeah, they're not going back. This book right? is just all about like deductive reasoning. Um, here's a mystery. And the main character has to put the pieces together. Or I guess main characters. Because there's there's quite a few characters that you've uh, brought into this, but it's a 90 page noir detective graphic novel set in 1920s Harlem. Uh, you've already hit your flexible goal. Uh, you have 635 uh, USD and 18 backers with 30 days left because you just launched today. Yeah, man, we hit the ground running. Uh, just the facts, man. The featured tier is uh, twenty-five dollars. The just the facts robot, which is the the digital version, or as I like to call it, the the Australian variant, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, fifteen dollars. The Bogan book. Yeah, the Bogan, yes, indeed. So, tell me about the cover. So this was done by Kanan White, amazing artist. Um, colors by Jesse Hege. Um, I, when I had done my first campaign, I did a, a stream with Antonio Bryce on his channel. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that one of the stories that was being unlocked was called the, the Harlem Hellfighter. And Antonio said, well, you know, Kanan and I did a book called the Harlem Hellfighters. And so I had no idea. So when I, started to do this story there was only one person that i wanted to do this cover and it was kanan white who i can't say enough about oh uh mark says sorry luther with 
Idris Elba. So apparently not the BBC version. No, it's on BBC. Is it? Oh well. Yep. And I like I like uh, the uh, for fans of section when people when people do if you if you like this stuff you're gonna love this book uh, Sin City Chinatown The Untouchables L.A. Noir Kiss Kiss Bang Bang which I really like uh, The Long Goodbye Gotham Noir uh, Bronx Kill and uh, Stray Bullets that I uh, I really liked. Yeah, because this is kind of it's such a um, it's such a cemented genre, such a cemented archetype. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be sure to get out in front with like you know, hey, here's what I was pulling influences from. Um, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. This is just a really good murder mystery set in a time period that maybe you haven't seen it done before. And a 24-hour sale today only. How about a light? Uh, $30 gets you the book and the Norlam Zippo. Ah, shoot, man. I was looking around for it. It's right in my pocket. Uh, yep, we got the Norlam Zippo. Nice, nice and flashy and gold. You get that, you get that really satisfying sound that Oh, yeah. Every good detective needs a Zippo, so if you get tied to a chair, you got a way out. Yeah, and just don't give it to your father to burn out. He might have Indiana Jones. He might set the carpet on fire, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah, we got to block somebody. All right, boom. There we go. Uh, the Ruskies are here. Well, it's the yeah. 20s, so it's, it's right in the middle of the Red Scare. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, they're like, oh... They're bringing back Tommy guns. Yeah. Oh, I used to love Tommy guns. I used to have a toy one when I was a kid. I thought it was great. So in that trailer, you heard that gunshot. Um, I had an editor tell me that I had an editor look at the script and just give it like a once over. Mm -hmm. And he said that I had referenced, I think it was a 32. And he said, no, 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 no. Everybody back then, if you're a civilian and he had a pistol, the odds are you're going to have a 38. Mm -hmm. So I had to find the sound just for the trailer of an actual 38 snub nose pistol just for that little gunshot in the trailer. Oh, nice. Authenticity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me about <laughs> the PDF of your comics library. So that's uh, the whole bundle. That's uh Eudaimonia number one, Eudaimonia number two, how to die and New Orleans. Um, all delivered safe in a sturdy PDF. So if you want to get caught up on everything, there you go. There you have the New Orleans How to Die physical bundle. So it's a little bit of horror with your mystery. Mm -hmm. uh, you get both variants and the copy of New Orleans, all signed. For $40. Are they, are they all... Uh... What's the, what's the format on on all of them? Like approximately ninety pages, because I know New Orleans ninety. New Orleans ninety pages. This is just a. It's it's kind of like an extended floppy. It's like thirty pages. Okay. 
Except it's 30 story pages opposed to, you know, 12 yeah. story pages from, you know, other publishers with yeah. weird, weird initials. Uh, play it again, Sam. Uh, get, get you book, two copies of the book. Uh, yeah, if people want to go in and save on shipping. Yeah. Uh, retailer bundle. Talk to us about your retailer bundle. Uh, you get five copies and the Zippo for 90, 90 plus 90 plus shipping. Oh, nice. So that, that would allow a, a store to, uh, you know, hold the contest for people that are buying the book to give the zip, to give the Zippo away or, you know, obviously keep it for themselves or, yeah, sure. uh, you know, do one like bundle with us in the store with the, with the Zippo and the book and then just the regular books. And a first edition bundle. Yeah, so I've done a couple reprints now, but um, I always hang on to some of the first editions. All of my first editions have a little gold stamp that you can kind of see in the bottom left-hand corner. Oh, yeah. It just marks it as the first edition. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm running out. I think I have 10 or 12 of, of Eudaimonia 1 and 2 left. So very limited qual quantity. This is the bundle you're going to get. Eudaimonia number one, first edition. Eudaimonia number two, first edition. Both How to Die variants in first edition. A copy of New Orleans and the Zippo for 120 Nice. That's a bargain right there, too, though. Yeah, I think it's something close to, like, it's. I think it's around 200 pages of story altogether. Yeah, and, you know, with the average price of, you know, a fundraiser indie comic, like, right around, 20, right around the $25 price range, uh, just for the book alone, you're uh, you see, you're saving a you're saving a few bucks plus getting the the custom Zippo too. So I really like the way the the panels are laid out on this too. Yeah, I I feel like I struck a gold mine with the artists I found on this. They really do amazing work. The, I love how it looks like a, it looks like a little bit watercolor. Yeah. It it's got you know. You can see like, you know, color saturation at certain points. And uh, the light the lighting in the panels is just wonderful, really. Yeah. So the book starts off in uh, there. That's that's basically the apartment building that Coleman lives in. Mm -hmm. um, there's a party next door and there's a mysterious death. The drummer for the band goes into the bathroom and then someone else comes in and he's dead and nobody knows what happened. Um, but he has a needle sticking out of his leg and the cops show up and they kind of have this attitude of like, Oh, he's got a needle in him. Well, it must've been a, a needle and he's on the toilet. It must've been an overdose. Mm-hmm. So Coleman comes along and he says, no, like there's more going on here than what you realize. You should really give it another look. And the younger of the two detectives um, takes him up on it and he looks into it and he finds that the needle had nothing on it. It was completely clean. And so he goes to visit Coleman and he's like, you know, what's happening here? And Coleman basically explains exactly what happened. Like he's figured it all out and he knows exactly what happened. And so that kind of ticks off, tips, sorry, ticks off, kind of tips off the younger detective. They're like, wow, this guy's pretty sharp, you know? And so the younger detective 
goes back and he has these these series of murders that he just doesn't know what's going on, but he has a feeling that they're all kind of connected. And so he goes to Coleman and together they team up and they kind of figure out that, yeah, there's something going on here. There's a serial killer on the loose and then the hunt is on and they go off in the, in, in the search for the Hudson River killer. And that's that's the main story of the book. And many murders to follow. I always had a thing for like noir stuff. I was a big fan of the shadow. Mm. And uh, for a while I was like, you know, retro everything. So, you know, opposed to buying like, you know, a movie on dare I say VHS, uh, I would buy albums of the old radio shows, uh, Sherlock Holmes, the shadow, uh, of course, like, you know, Batman and Superman and, and that whole power records line that was going on. And, uh, I just, you know, I go, this is cool. But it's, it's cool. It's different. And it's just, you know, more imaginative, I think with, with that, than it is of, you know, watching it play out on the screen. The sin killer just said the funniest thing in the chat where he says the bassist is the murderer. I swear I'm writing book two of this. And mm -hmm. again, there's a, there's a kind of unusual murder on the first pages of the book. Same as this one. And it is, it was the bass player. Mar, him, spoilers. He, he just, <laughs> he just predicted. Unreal. It's always the bassist or the keyboard player if they have one. Yeah, so jazz is going to be kind of a theme that weaves throughout the the entire universe of the story, or the of the series. And then this page is pretty much summarizes me as a dialogue writer. It's just one of my favorite pieces of dialogue I've ever written. Of course, now I'm not saying anything because I'm reading the dialogue. <laughs> and there's the there's the punch you talked about. Yeah, it's just this kind of funny moment where Coleman goes to meet these two guys to kind of get a little bit of information if they've seen anything. And Coleman, being kind of naive, follows him. And they catch him. Like, who's that? And Coleman starts walking up like, oh, hey, it's okay, guys. I'm a police officer. I'm here with... And then he punches him. Because, you know, he's a little bit naive, so he doesn't say... He doesn't realize it's saying, oh, yeah, I'm with this guy right here. Might not may not might not look make Coleman look too good in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's gonna be just like, shady you know, characters. Yeah, don't don't talk to the fuzz, man. Yeah, so he basically has to knock him out to get him to stop talking. Marv used to be a bassist, so okay. 
okay, Marv. We see you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just untrustworthy. Yeah. And it's it's got like it's got a very cool like tilt angle to the alley too, so it's Yeah, I actually have to update further down there's a progress image and I have to update it cuz I like just in the last hour got this back from the letterer. So I immediately had to throw it up there. Oh, nice. So progress so far, uh, pencils and inks are about 90% complete. Colors are almost halfway there. And uh, letters are about a quarter of the way there. Yeah, I had to change letters. I just wasn't happy with the one I had, so I had to start all over again. Oh, and so yeah. that's why it's so far behind. But it's getting caught up. And the Detective Zippo. And it comes in a nice tin case. I'm, I was on a zip. I was on a Zippo kick for quite a while. So there we go. Nice case. Yeah, it's it's. You know what? I had. I was kind of brainstorming ideas for perks and it's like you know i see all these stickers and patches and i was just like man that just doesn't feel very 1920s what would and i arrived on the zippo and i was like yeah that'd be really cool if i could get that done and it turns out you know you get zippos you order custom zippos in bulk it's really not you know as hurtful to the wallet as you would imagine especially if you order a ton of them yeah and the uh I know when you go to buy buy them from the store from my the little revolving case, you find your favorite one in there, and it's like, oh yeah, it's like thirty to fifty dollars, and I'm like, really? Because it's a pleasure for you to uh, refill your Zippo every time. Yeah. I would I would usually uh, spill the ingredients more on me, and uh, be fearful of actually. Uh, be fearful of actually uh, flicking it on to uh, to light my cigar. Yeah. Well, you remember those jet ones, the ones that are like a little mini jet engine? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, man, I thought those were cool when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I call them out as the crack laters. Marv, I've shared the show on my Facebook. Sorry, but I got to go. Dinner time. The book looks great. Be safe, guys. Marv, take care. Appreciate Thanks it, for dropping in, man. So you're already working on the second book for this. Is this going to be uh, an ongoing series, or do you have a, a finite number of issues that you have planned for this? Um, I would say it'll, it'll probably be an ongoing series. Um, this one's going to be a little bit different from my previous books because this book has actually been picked up by a publisher. So, oh, do tell. Well, I can. I signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I can't really oh, talk much about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the contracts have been signed. Um, the good news is that that means my backers are going to be getting you know, books printed by professionals rather than me doing it myself. So while mm -hmm. like I, I thought my previous books were fine, 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the difference and seeing what these guys can do with it. So that also means that I have to put a lot more effort into things like a back cover or a spine, you know, those, those kind of, uh, details that they're going to expect. Um, I'll still be producing indie comics on my own, like other titles. So the last book I did, the horror book was titled how to die. Number one, how to die. Number two is in the works. And what I'm doing for this campaign is at the end of every day, you remember that scene from Major League where they're peeling off pieces of the um, the cardboard of the of the owner and she's naked underneath? Mm-hmm. And for every win, they peel off another piece. For every backer I get every day, I'm going to reveal another small piece of the cover for my next book. So it'll be like a you know like a, a jigsaw the backers puzzle, yeah. will will create the unveiling of the cover. Uh, does that mean there might possibly be an add-on for a jigsaw puzzle? Oh man, I don't know. The, the, these perks these days, man, I can't keep up with it anymore. I know. I thought the Zippo was a. I think the Zippo is about as creative as I get. There are other perks with this book here, um, but the problem is I can't say what they are because it's a mystery. So if I tell you what extra things are coming with it, it gives away details of the book. So all I'll say is there are other things that backers are going to get. I just can't say what they are yet. Will they be revealed at some point, or are you uh, are you keeping them secret and, and a surprise for when they get their packages? I, I'm keeping it secret because what it is is they're going to get to the end of the book, and in the actual book, there will be a perk that interacts with the reader the way the end of the book interacts with itself. So I know that sounds really weird and convoluted. Um, I just, but I can't say what it is. There's just going to be this really cool moment for people who read the book. And there's going to be something there, like a little surprise at the end. Very interesting. Now, are you, are you planning to uh, re-up at the end of the 30 days or are you doing a strict 30 day campaign? Uh, Probably re-up. I don't, when I first started doing this, I thought that that was silly. Um, But man, I've spent so much time studying campaigns and seeing the effect that that actually has that I've begrudgingly come on board with that. Yeah, it's, it's never a bad thing to, uh, you know, to keep it up for like another 30 days to, uh, well, to make more money. And then, then you can, then you can keep it there as, uh, you know, the, the storefront until you yeah. uh until you launch another one not just the storefront but um the ending soon queue on indiegogo mm-hmm. you know so people looking for stuff that's about to end you'll be on there twice hey all critical oh. blast rj how are you i got i got that other package in the mail uh just before i went to the hospital <laughs> so you've got Book number two of of this, you're working on book number two of your horror series. Anything else in the works? Uh, Eudaimonia three, the final, the final Eudaimonia series. Um, it's going to be like just a series of short stories, like an anthology. Um, and I'm going to be shooting for having a different artist for each one. 
So it's going to be something weird, wild, and different like the first two, but it just won't be the same thing as far as the art. I'm just looking to get as many styles in there as I can. Yeah, I know uh, a couple other creators I know that work on they work on their own book. Uh, they have a different art team every single issue. Mm-hmm. Thanks, pops. Um, they look they. Uh, they told me they like to do that. Uh, it gets a, a new, fresh aspect on the ongoing story, and uh, it puts more it puts more artists to work. Yeah, you know, so they get new indie artists and uh, a couple of different people for uh, their main and variant cover, and uh, and merchandise up. But yeah, I like I like seeing different different aspects, especially like on you know on certain genres. Mm. You know, it's uh, I find it interesting, and I I like I like uh, you know this time period. You know that well, I like the Dark Ages too, but you know, <laughs> I'm a nerd. I'm supposed to like a bunch of different stuff, but I mean. Like I said, like I like I like the shadow in a lot of those noir noir books, and I know uh, a few years back uh, Dynamite did a series called Masks, hmm. where they had uh, the shadow, the spider, uh, Green Hornet and Kato, and a few others from like that like nineteen thirties nineteen forties time period. So it was. I thought I thought they did a great job on it, and you know, Alex Ross covers. You know, if you can afford them, they're great. Yeah, um, it was. It's just kind of funny the way it worked out. You know, when I studied art and literature and all these things, um, that period, like just early 1900s, late 1800s, mm-hmm. that was just like my bread and butter, where I kind of fell in. And the two biggest influences on my writing were the Harlem Renaissance, but also the World War One writers and poets and all that. So when I went to do books, it was well, Eudaimonia was World War One, and now I'm kind of stepping into that other side, the the uh, the Harlem Renaissance, basically. Any any thoughts about doing anything from uh, World War Two now? You know, I had never really considered it, just because it's like what could anybody possibly say that hasn't already been said? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I thought world war one, there was just kind of a, this was before 1917 came out. Um, it just wasn't nearly like world war one media is like a drop in the bucket compared to world war two. Yeah. I mean, just from movies, there's probably the amount of world war two movies is probably longer than the war itself. Oh Yeah. I remember being in middle school and taking out, you know, all I took out was, you know, books about World War II. Yeah. You know, Battle of the Midway and all, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. I would say if I'm going to go in any direction, if I I were to go in any direction historically, it would probably be backwards. So I had an idea for a book and I haven't even started, you know, it hasn't even begun to come together, but the, Next, 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 next project I think I'm going to do is a book about um, aging Old West cowboys versus young 
Chicago gangsters. Because there's a very brief sliver of history where, you know, the old West was kind of fading away and, you know, gangsters in the city were kind of new. So I don't think I've ever seen a story in which those two like kind of butt heads, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So something like that of like just old West tough guys versus young gangster tough guys. Yeah, that's uh, the Westerns are making like a a pretty good comeback, you know, story-wise in like the last couple of years too. People just want to, you know, get out of their headspace and, you know, drift as far away from, you know, the 2020s as possible. Yeah, that's me. I'm just going to go back in time. Yeah, why not? You know? I, I don't like it here. I don't think anybody does. I want to go back in time where the only people that wore uh, wore masks were bank robbers. Yeah. You know, or train robbers or stagecoach robbers. Or, of course, you know. we say that, but we're talking on an unbelievable piece of technology that would be unfathomable, you know, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So besides your own books... Tell me something that you read and wholeheartedly enjoyed. Oh, let's see here. Well, let me show you what I'm reading right now. So that's what I'm reading at the moment. That's a book. Basic economics. You should go teach uh, a class to uh, the White House. Well, you know... I realize that if I were to talk about it, it would be helpful if I knew about it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if this, if I, if I realize I don't really have a lot to say about something or I, or if I have a lot to say, but I don't really have the knowledge base to back it up. Um, I do something about it. Oh, uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, uh, we got go tell it on the mountain. That's a great book. Uh, Cormac McCarthy's the road. Okay, you know what? I'll stop doing that. Oh, here we go. The Max. What could be better? I mean, I've read it like a hundred times, but I never get tired of it. Yeah, I think we've all got like that book or like, you know. You can always go back to. Yeah. A story story that you'll always like, yeah. Go back in time. I mean, I've read, uh, I've read the, uh, you know, Dark Knight Returns and uh, the Cult and the Batman line like so so many times I can't count. Watchmen. Watchmen. Uh, I had somebody asked to borrow it, and then they disappeared. Then I got I got another trade paperback, and uh, that disappeared. Uh, one got wet in the back of my Camaro when I was like 18 mm. and, uh, and more, and more recent history about 10, 15 years ago, I bought the, uh, I bought the hardcover and that's, that's still here, but now I see they have a slipcase hardcover mm. with, with a bunch of, there's always a new edition, you know, a, a new edition with other books that are basically the the world world building secrets that they used for you know 
the entire story. So there's there's always there's always something always something good to read. What about you? What have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, I actually read uh, Infantale Chronicles issue one today from uh, from Chris Fisk. It had been sitting next to me, and I'm like, oh, I'm busting that one open. So I read that. Uh, I like that. I can't wait for issue two for for that to come to Indiegogo. Oh, and, I just read uh, uh, the Company Man. Did you get that? No. From um, Kimosabi and Dean on Comics Mate. Oh yeah, I I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting for my copy of the Embrace to come in. Okay. From Ogden and Dean. Well, I got my digital copy of the Company Men ten minutes before midnight, so technically it came out last year. Yeah, or it's just early for this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I I hadn't I hadn't seen that. I I can't back everything that I want to, you know, budgetary reasons and and stuff. But uh, I like to always at least throw like you know a little bit of cash, you know, for, you know, a, re, you know, a, a pledge without a, without a reward thing, mm-hmm. you know, donate, donate something, throw a couple of bucks out of it at least. Uh, even if that's the most I can do, it's like, well, you know, try, try to help out. And as always, I always like to encourage everybody to, uh, to share out all the campaigns they see on all the social media, uh, <laughs> Tell friends about it. Uh, share up the share up the uh, the YouTube channels like this and and many others and uh, and podcasts, which this will be one of later on. So anybody that uh, that is interested in that, you can get a creator's outlet. Uh, you can follow us on any podcast platform uh, you like and and listen away. It's free. So why don't you let everybody know uh, where they can find you on social media and we will share the, uh, the link one more time for uh, the campaign. Well, if you want to take a crack at spelling Eudaimonia Comics, I'm Eudaimonia Comics on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Raiden Radio. That's Raiden is in Raiden for Mortal Kombat. Um, that's about it. That's about it. I don't really do anything else. But if you, um, if you're interested in learning more about Indiegogo campaigns, I do a weekly series called Your Campaign Sucks, where I review campaigns that are just like, it's no, it's not like to make fun of people for their campaigns. It's more like a study of like, I look at a really crappy campaign that is just dead in the water and a campaign that is really, really good. And I compare them to one another. So to kind of just take a closer look at like what makes these campaign pages work, what makes them not work and how to make it better. So when you want to make your campaign, you know, you can come in, check out a show. We have a study session and learn how to make your campaign, you know, a little bit more successful than, than it may otherwise have been. Also, I do random videos about like Ariana Grande poker and uh, Italian food every now and then. Ooh, Italian food. That's I'm a Philadelphia. My... I'm a Philadelphia boy, so. Oh yeah, my uh, one of my cousins' uh, husbands is a is a is a Philly guy. 
so they're they're living up in Maine now, but they they might be the only people in Maine that are Eagles fans. So, well, you all you're up in New England, so you have the best pizza in the world. So, you got that going for you. Yeah, south side of Boston. Oh, I heard it was New Haven. New Haven. New Haven, Connecticut is supposed to have like better pizza than New York. I'm just that's just what I heard. Uh, I'll have I'll have to ask a couple friends of mine from Connecticut. Well, what we have in Philly is we call it the Philly Taco. It's uh, you go to Jim's on South Street and you get a cheesesteak, and then you go to the pizza shop on the corner where the slices are like this big, mm-hmm. and then you put the pizza slice down, you put the cheesesteak on top, and you fold it over, and you got a Philly Taco. Oh, I'd be down for that in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'll, I watch like some of the cooking challenges on on TV and I'm like, you know, I just sit there drooling and then I, you know, go have a protein shake for lunch because yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to lose the weight. Goes, why, are you, why are you drinking that? I go, because I open up the fridge, yeah. <sighs> I'm going to set back six months worth of uh, weight loss. Like, well, when uh, we were in Philly a couple weeks ago, man, they, they have the Reading Terminal Market, which not that I brag about Philly, but I'll put the Reading Terminal Market against any other market in the country. And it was just like the best of everything you could possibly imagine for food. Like there's like Amish bickers, you know, doing donuts and fosnots in one corner. You got Peking duck with the ducks hanging and drying out under the fan. It just, it was, it was ridiculous. Like you could just, anything you could ever want is going to be amazing there. And it's all, it's all day fresh. So yeah. Yeah. The farmers are coming in, they're dropping off their produce and all the meats and all that. It's ridiculous. It's like, I think it's the largest market in the country. Oh, I love that. We've got, we've got some farmers markets around here, but, uh, they just, they just passed, a a lore in Massachusetts where, uh, Unless you have uh, free-range hens, you can't sell eggs anymore. America is a really weird place when it comes to eggs. You know the rest of the world, they don't even refrigerate them? Yeah, well, they don't come out. They, they don't get born in a fridge, so. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird. Uh different things. I, I love stuff like that, like the fresh, the fresh open markets and uh, to be able to go there and, and buy stuff. I used to have a seafood place by my mother's that was, uh, you know, they would, they would cook certain things there and uh, that came in that day and the rest was, you know, all up for sale. And a lot of people didn't, you know, they had a, they had a big following but you know, most people just go to the market and buy buy whatever. I'm like, I go. I was buying nice, nice big swordfish steaks there for like six dollars a pound, going back about fifteen years ago. And and a frozen one at like the local market was you know like ten to twelve dollars. I'm like, well, that's funny. When I lived on the East Coast, I would get like scallops and mussels, and they would just be dirt cheap. And now mm-hmm. I'm on the West Coast, and they're like nobody can afford them. Um, but salmon is like ridiculously cheap here. And then salmon. if you go out to Hawaii, tuna is ridiculously cheap. It's just it's just whatever's around you. Yeah, and uh, 
you could probably trade a few cans of spam for uh for like a whole tuna. Yeah. It's it's weird. But yeah, uh, I had a I had a bunch of uh friends that I grew up with that uh became fishermen. Uh, a couple of them retired because of back problems from from raking the cohogs. Uh, and I got another friend that uh, runs a couple of ships up towards Maine for uh, for lobstering. So before uh, before uh, 2001, we used to be able to go to the docks and wait for them at the end of the dock and, and buy like right off of them before they would sell the, the mass quantity to uh, to the stores and everything. So. Well, that's getting me talking. I think I'm going to have to go cook some seafood. There it is. There it is. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, and talking about this at the stream. There we go. Oh, Liam, the long and short of it. Book uh, one. Give it a little refresh. Now available? Yeah, let's, let's see where we are. There it is. From 18, three more backers. Nice. 21 backers, 30 days left, and a whole lot more shows going on. <laughs> you have no idea. I've, I've seen I've seen Josh's calendar. It is pretty full. Yeah. So After uh, this one, I think I got an hour, and then I'm booked up till uh, 1 in the morning. Wow. That's a busy day. But it's good. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm no. I'm I have nothing but appreciation for people that are willing to give us creators a shot, willing to talk to us, willing to help us get our books out there. Uh you you guys are the heroes. You do amazing work and I can't ever say thank you enough. Well, I appreciate what you guys do. Uh, you know, speaking of creators and uh this is just fun for me because if I went to a convention I'd just be in Artist Alley all day, you know, talking to, you know, anyone that doesn't have me physically removed in my wheelchair. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, the book looks great. I love, I love the composition on the cover. It's 90 pages, uh, for $25, 30. If you want to get that cool looking Zippo, uh, of course his entire library is available. Uh, please go check out the campaign for yourself. The link is in the chat at the beginning of the chat and at the end of the chat. And don't forget to uh, jump in the show notes and you can copy and paste his Twitter address so you can find him on Twitter because, uh, yeah, like he said, spelling that out. Uh, <laughs> please follow him on Twitter and uh, check out his YouTube page. Subscribe to him over there. Uh, I thank you for subscribing to mine. I saw that. And uh, we will catch all of you later on. Have a wonderful weekend. And get out and back this book, would you? Thanks, everybody.